Welcome back to Revive Nations podcast. Revive Nations is a global ministry with one mission, to raise an army of Jesus lovers around the world. Prepare your heart to receive something fresh from the voice of God, Prophet Shaiju Matthew, and be revived, renewed, and restored. In the Old Testament, it was just one guy who was the boss. One guy who heard God. Nobody else could hear God. But when it came to New Testament, the system shifts. Because now Jesus is coming and he's not interested in raising up one guy in a whole generation. Now Jesus is interested in converting the entire generation and make all of us, all of us, what does that mean? If you'll open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 onwards, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 onwards. I'm going to read that for you. Is that okay for a change today? God, yeah, you, if you feel like standing, you can. If you feel like sitting, you can. No worries. Okay? God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Father, help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. There's a weight on this word that I bring to you because of the nature of how complicated it is and also I want to make sure that even if you are here for the first time that you're not missing out on what I'm sharing. So, so trying to simplify a, a, a complex matter is not simple. But I'm hoping that is why I came a little early so that we will be able to do justice today. So before you leave, we must arrive at a, a location in the spirit. Okay, that's the objective. So thank you for paying very clear attention because everything that I'm saying is going to connect dots to where we're going. You may feel at times that you don't know where you're going, but hold on, we'll reach there. Okay, so I want you to notice something that the scripture says right here, that in the past, he spoke through messengers. Okay, this is referring to the Old Testament. He's saying in the past, he spoke through prophets. Now, in the New Testament, prophets continue. But not in the manner of how prophets existed in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they would just be one individual that God would make contact with. So there would be one prophet. 
for an entire nation, for an entire, for example, if Samuel lived for 80 years, for example, I, I don't think 80 years was his, how old he lived for, but if he lived for 80 years, as an example, that entire 80 years, there would be no other major prophet. He was the sole person that God would speak to. Can you imagine that? He would be the only person that God would speak to. And when Samuel leaves, you don't see a successor. And that is something that you have to understand about the prophetic ministry. The prophetic ministry of in the Old Testament specifically. Now, I know some of you are wondering, does such prophets exist today? They are. There are. To identify them is harder. Okay, that's for another day. Don't don't take me on that path now. Okay, let's talk about this. So, this prophet, you will notice, uh, uh, if you observe the manner in which the Old Testament prophets functioned, they mimicked the functionality or the style of the angel. Okay, of the angel of the Lord, the ministers of the wind. And the ministers of the fire, they functioned in similar fashion. Okay? So, God would come to Israelites and say, Look, I know you guys want to go here. I'm sending you an angel. I said, But don't mess with him. He, he's not going to be patient like me. Okay? And he would say, If you guys mess up with him, he's going to kill you. That's exactly what would happen when an angel gets upset he would be less compassionate because angels were beings that followed the command of God at all cost. That means they, they couldn't understand failures. They, couldn't, they didn't understand compassion. They didn't understand sympathy. That part of God was not in the angelic realm. Okay. Now, the prophets of the old functioned in the same seriousness. The prophets of the old function in the same dynamics. In other words, they were not people that were going to have a pity party with you. Saul would come and say, Oh, sorry, Prophet Samuel, um, since you got a little delayed, I, I just thought I'll take matters to my uh, hands. I didn't want to wait for you because there were thousands of people that were waiting and the prophet was late. You know, his car didn't arrive on time. Maybe the traffic was bad. So he said, I just decided to take matters in my own hand. Prophet Samuel did not blink an eye. He didn't, he didn't say, okay, let me go to God and find out if that is okay. No, straight up he started prophesying to him and said, today the kingdom is taken out from your hands. You have to understand the seriousness of the prophetic of the Old Testament was such that there was no point of let's give him another chance because they functioned like angels had, were functioning in the heavenly realms. But now, that also was the reason why they couldn't be ten prophets because that one prophet that was there for an entire nation lived an entirety of that generation trained to reflect God in 100% fashion. So people were dreadful about the prophet. They were scared because they know 
if the prophet is coming to your house either you're going to be anointed or somebody is going to die that is why even prophet samuel came they were shaking because they said oh my god which of my sons is in trouble today somebody did something bad they were scared because they didn't know that he was coming to anoint somebody because there was already one king anointed there was no need for a second king to be anointed so if he is not coming to elevate somebody he is coming to bury somebody so they were fearful about his coming so i want you to understand that was the prophetic ministry in the old testament okay now welcome to new testament where now jesus comes down ha <sighs> I want you to see the greatness of that moment when the Lord Jesus becomes a human comes down in the flesh he is coming to reset many things he is coming to reset the weakness of human nature he is coming to redeem he is coming to be the ransom because everything that was happening in the old testament was a reason of the sin of the old testament okay but now here we are in the new testament jesus is coming to reset things he is going coming to restore all things adam the first man okay what the first man adam had messed up jesus was now coming to correct it as a second man adam he was coming to reset everything what was lost now that includes the prophetic some of you caught it meaning in the old testament it was just one guy who was the boss one guy who heard god nobody else could hear god nobody else had the capacity to go man and it was also the fact that there was nobody else as consecrated as that man but when it came to new testament the system shifts because now jesus is coming and he is not interested in raising up one guy in a whole generation now jesus is interested in converting the entire generation and make all of us all of us what does that mean that means the time of celebrity pastors are over we have a tendency because of religiousness that we elevate one and you remove yourself out of the equation saying oh, i'm not worthy but christ came to make you worthy and i can boldly confess this and tell you that this church does not exist for one individual this church exists to raise up end time generals of god sida i was talking to somebody the other day and i said my objective if my objective of god sending me from india to come here is to just make your eyes on me then i have failed but if my objective of the lord sending me here is to raise up an army yeah. 
Look, there is a reason why when I, when I have this opportunity to talk to you people watching from home, I get super excited because I feel that God has expanded the level of influence. Right now, as God is raising his giants and generals in this location in Montreal, by the grace of God, God is raising giants and generals in your country right now. Wherever you're watching from, receive this in Jesus' name. I, I can see right, right there in Chicago, a room full of people listening to me. I release grace to you in the name of Jesus. I see Dubai. I see this is the heart of God. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the heart of God. Before Jesus went up, what did he say? He turned to the disciples and he said, make ye disciples of men. Make ye disciples of what? Men. One more time, everybody say, make ye disciples of men. Meaning he's saying, go and multiply. Go and what? Multiply. What did God tell Adam? Multiply and? Replenish. What did Jesus tell the disciples? There you go. You solved the, the, the puzzle. <laughs> so we have one objective. What is it? Is to multiply. But the question is, what is it that you're multiplying? You don't multiply everything. Then you are in trouble. Yeah. So you have to ask the question, what, what does the Lord want us to multiply. So for to understand that, you have to understand how he commanded things in Genesis. Because he's come to reset things from Genesis. So you have to understand what is the heart of God. You go to Genesis chapter 1. We won't go there because then they have been there for a few weeks. So verse 12 onwards, you will see one line repeated over and over and over and over again. He would make the plant kingdom. He would make the seeds. Okay. And he said, said, I want the seeds, the trees, the plants, everything to multiply after its kind. Ah, whose seed was in itself and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. Everybody say after his kind. Okay. So the seed has to be after his kind. Kind. And the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. So grasses that produce grasses, herbs producing herbs, fruit yielding trees after his kind. And then he comes into the animal kingdom and then he says the same thing after multiply after his kind. Then he looks into the, the water world and then he, he declares the same blessings. He said, after his kind. And then he makes man. How does he make man? Thank you, Lord. He makes man in his own image and likeness. Everybody say this after me. God made man, God made man. in his own image and likeness. So he makes seeds after his own kind. Okay, some of you are getting, sit down, sit down. <laughs> he makes fruits, 
fruit bearing trees and he expects them to multiply after his own kind he makes animals and he says you have to multiply after your own kind he makes man and how does he want the man to multiply after his own kind so what was the what is the object of god making man it was not to play god it was not god looking up in the garden uh, in heaven and, and calling his angels and said look at the cute guy oh look at him running around no 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 that was, <laughs> that was not the plan that was not the objective i was not to say hey look they are my new puppets no when he made man he made man in his own image and likeness after his own kind but then in order for man to remain like god he had to learn to shut down the lies of the enemy so when god created adam he said i want a man in my image and my likeness so god in heaven there is a certain success god has created in the heavenly realm okay he makes man puts him on earth to replicate the success of heaven on earth i'm talking about you if you didn't know why was man put on earth to replicate the success of heaven so god's dna he takes it puts it now if you if you study heaven you will see that the stars the heavens they function with perfect synchronization you know every every other week you will have the scientists saying ha ah, this is going to happen oh that is going to happen oh the the stone is coming it's going to collide that is going to happen the sun is going to go that take it easy just watch it function <laughs> decades now hundreds of years now the system has not broken okay so what does that tell you about how you must function if something you ready for this if something is broken in your life that means the system you put in place didn't work not everything that is broken in your life is broken because of you is just the wrong implementation of a system or maybe you put a right system in place but you did not implement it enough or it started well and then you let go of it you didn't you you didn't make sure that the system continued success of an organism is in how consistently can the system function <sighs> i hope it's helping somebody okay let me go back so satan comes in into the garden and uses words to deceive and take them away from functioning like god so god created man in his image and likeness so when man fell from grace which part of god did he lose 
Did he lose the image? Or did he lose the likeness? Okay? I'll explain to you because now you're asking what is the difference? I'll, I hear you. <laughs> the image of God is a replica of God. God came down. Everything that God created, he spoke. Everything God created, he spoke. He spoke and created. He spoke. He spoke and brought it to life. He spoke. He spoke. He spoke. But when it came to man, he didn't speak anymore. He came down. He made man. Didn't create with words. He made it with his hands. He made man. He took the clay from the ground. He took the dust and he formed the man in his image and likeness. So he formed him. God knew how he looked. So he forms the man to now look like him. And then he, the ruah of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God was blown into the man. I, I hope I'm not losing anybody so far. Okay, because that's my objective. I want you, to, everybody to understand. So the spirit of God, when God blew into man, it was a part of God that was going into the man. So the image was already there. You get me? You get me? Image is there, but it's lifeless, lying down there. And God looks at it and says, wow, looks like me. But now, he needs to take a part of him and put it inside the man. So he blows into the man. The breath of God comes into the man. Now the part of God is now inside the man. That is the likeness. Now Adam gets up. He got up like how God got up. Adam moves. He moves like God. Because now it is a spirit in him that is moving. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll go slow because I, I, I need to make sure that you are with me. The flesh part of Adam is still lying down there. So you, which part of you is moving? If you think it's your hand that is moving, the hand is right there on the ground. But in order for Adam to move, the breath of God had to come to Adam. And the moment the breath of God came into Adam, Adam got up. So who gets up? Is it the flesh getting up or the spirit getting up? Okay. So tell me, when you move, is it your body moving or is it your spirit moving? Thank you. If only human beings can understand that, you will begin to produce at a different level of the spirit. But what is happening is that the spirit man today is so dormant. It's sleeping. It, it hasn't been awakened. So we don't live to a full capacity because we only tap into what our flesh can do. But we don't tap into what our spirit can do. So the day Adam disobeyed God 
what happens? Now he's left with the image. The image that was in the garden. Remember that? And the likeness of God dies that moment. Thank you for listening. Make sure to share this episode on your favorite social media and with a friend. Until next time, stay under the mighty hand.